Good evening. So, uh, you know, as, as Vesia said, I want to say from our side, it's an immense privilege um, to be with you and uh, to partner with you. And I always say to see Jesus face to face, there's going to be many people that's going to come and greet that you've never seen in your life. Have you ever considered that? And you know why it is through partnership. Because you have sown Time, talents, treasure, influence, you've sown things like that. It's amazing to see one day that, that actually those people will be affected and are affected hey, by this, this amazing gospel that has and continues to change our, our lives. So really it's a privilege for us to, again, to be here. I've been here many times, um, in, in Zimbabwe especially, driven through here, I don't know how many times, on the way to Malawi and other places. But uh, really, as, as the word says, you know, God says, love your neighbor as yourself. So we really, we really love our neighbors. And um, we, love this, um, we love this church and we love this country. And uh, I can say that I personally pray for this church and these leaders probably daily. Maybe there's been a day I didn't, so let me not be a liar. But the intention is, is mostly and, and, and really trusting God to do amazing things. In and through this body. So um, I've got a specific word I want to share with us tonight. Um, maybe you can open your Bibles in uh, Matthew 9. It's uh, <clears throat> quite a well-known verse. And as you go to there, Matthew 9 verse 35. And what's, what's so important for us to understand is Jesus always calls us to send us. So, and I want to talk about that very thing tonight, that why are you here? Is it, you know, if it was just about being saved, then we would already be in heaven. Yes? So Jesus calls us to send us. So what we see here, the context is Jesus comes on the scene and this, he's this incredible teacher and miracle worker and he calls his disciples and he gives them some equipping, and here we see it's just on the verge of him about to send, you know, sort of his first teams out. And I want to say that's never stopped. Even today, what is the date? 10, is it 10th? 10 November 2022, this is still Jesus' mission. To call people to himself, to call you to himself, to call me to himself, in order to send us to go and continue this great work that he started. So let's read Matthew 9 verse 35. So Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So, so let's pray. Father, we thank you for your amazing word. Lord, I want to thank you that you have not left us without a witness. And you've given us the local church, Lord. Lord, even as we read these words, we know that you could have done these things by yourself. 
One command and the whole world can be saved. One command and all the work could have been done. But you des- you, your desire has always been to work in and through people. And I want to pray even tonight, would you make your word alive, Lord? Would you activate us again tonight, Lord, to understand this wonderful task that you have called us to continue the very thing that you have started? Lord, that the life you have called us to is far less about what we do for you than it is about what you want to do in and through us. And I want to pray tonight, Lord, again, lift our heads. Give us a new vision. Would you stir amazing things in our hearts and lives? Would you commission your people again tonight for this great call to be harvesters in this great harvest? We ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, when you look at this city, what do you see? (laughs) That's the right answer. But you're too quick. Okay, it's over. We can go home now. Hey. What do you see? Potholes? No power? Difficulty? What, what do you see? When God looks at the city, what does He see? He sees a harvest. But He also sees workers. So I want to talk about this very thing tonight, that it is time, and it's always time, but tonight it's time for the workers to arise. Now there was once the story of the shoe company. Just remind me if I talk too quick, please. Please all. Just remind me if I talk too quick, sorry. Because I get excited then I talk like an auctioneer. So I don't want you to miss what I'm saying. So there was the shoe company. And they decided, um, they were very successful in Europe. And they decided, let's try and expand into Africa. So they decided to take their two best shoe salesmen. They sent the one to the east of Africa and the other one to the west of Africa. And they sent them out to say, go and assess for us whether there's a market for our products, our shoes. So after a while, they asked them to come and report back. And so the one shoe salesman was on the phone and the one on the east says, you know what, I've been here now for a month, I've spoken to many people, I've walked around, I've gone to many shops. The problem is, everyone here is barefoot. Okay, it's not going to work. No one wears shoes, forget about it. I'm coming back soon, there's no hope. Then they spoke to the shoe salesman on the west of Africa. He said, you know, I walked everywhere, and I spoke to some people, and you won't believe it, everyone is barefoot. Can you immediately send boatloads full of shoes? Because everyone is barefoot. Everyone is going to need shoes. Now, when you think about the story, when you consider the world that we live in, when you consider a world in chaos, a world in COVID, we're sort of coming out of it, a world in crisis, a world in confusion, which shoe salesperson do you represent? Do you see the bare feet people and say, what is the point? This world is a huge mess. Forget about it. Let me just try and grin and endure until Jesus comes back. Or are you like the other salesperson that says, there is the greatest opportunity ever for people to meet the living God. 
You see, it all comes down to our view of God. And, and I don't know, we've, we've often, someone has used this example many times. The problem someone once said is, is the God we serve bigger than the problems we face? You know, because the people of God has always faced problems and challenges in so many respects. You know, someone once said, if you look at the sun, again, you can't look at the sun unless you want your eyes to be burnt out. But if you take a coin, do you still have coins here? Okay. okay. You, know, you know, when we used to ride on dinosaurs in South Africa many years ago, we used to have coins. Now, actually, we still have coins, I think. I don't, I don't know. But if you take a coin and you, you start bring it closer and closer to your eye, you can eventually block out the sun. Hey? One little coin. The closer you bring that thing, and I think what happens is we can allow the things around us and the turmoil and the difficulty and bring it closer and closer and block out the sun, Jesus Christ, in our lives. Because again, what happens is we, we can start to see only the problems and the difficulties and, and all of these things that happens around us that we lose sight of this amazing thing that God is saying, well, actually, God has shaken the world and God continues to shake the world. Why? Because He wants people to not rely on things that's shakable. He wants people, the things they trust in that's shakable to remove them so he can show them actually there's a solid foundation. There's an unshakable kingdom that he wants to bring before them. You see, we see this throughout the world. We see it throughout the history of mankind. We see it throughout the history of the, of the church. Is that people who were able to zoom out of the challenges and the difficulties that, that they saw were able to see what God was doing and were able to be used by God. We see the people of God in exile. We see them in captivity. We see them under siege. We see them under rouge, sorry, sorry, um, harsh rulership and foreign rulers. That's always been the case. There's, there's nothing new. We see under these things, those who were able to zoom out and say, Lord, but I see a harvest where other people see challenges and problems. And, and I'm not saying they're not there, but we're saying in spite of the challenge, I want to send out my workers. I want my people to be activated to continue this great work that I have started. Just consider the context that Jesus came in. I don't know if you know, but if you, you read the end of the you know, Old Testament is Malachi, and you see there's someone ruling over them then. And then you see, when you open the New Testament, suddenly there's the Romans. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. And actually, that's what theologians call the 400 silent years. So what happens is, at the end of the Old Testament time, you know, God speaks his last words through this prophet Malachi, saying that, you know, the last prophecies around the Messiah that's going to come. And then there's 400 years, God is just silent. And here we find, 400 years later, here's Israel under Roman rule, living in a total pagan society. Everyone did whatever they wanted. Very different. And not so different from the world we find ourselves in today. So from one point, from one angle, it seemed like God gave up on Israel. If you were an Old Testament, you know, part of the Israelite, you know, Israelite community, 
and you look at the last 400 years, it seems like God has given up on them. And I wonder, maybe you sit here tonight and you wonder, has God given up on Zimbabwe? Has God given up on South Africa? Has God given up on the world? Why is God silent? Why is God silent? And you can look from one group, you know, um, viewpoint in, in this time for Israel, and you can say, it seems like God just ruled them, left them to be ruled by harsh rulers, you know, um, the Persians, the Greeks, and the Romans. God has just left them. But what we see later is what happened in these 400 years. And, and let me just highlight that, and I'm going to make a point around these things. Firstly, we see the first sort of, what's it, 70 years, what happens is they they come under Persian rule. Now what the Persians did was, suddenly this unbelieving Persian king declares that all the conquered nations need to go back to their home countries. So here they are in exile, God sends them back. And what does he do? He tells them they need to go and rebuild the temple of God. Eh? Pagan king, pagan ruler. So, so we should never lose heart and lose sight that God can use unbelieving rulers to do incredible things for his name and he tells them to go home then they are conquered by the greeks have you ever heard of alexander the great hey? so what happens next is for another almost 200 years what what did the greeks do the greeks set up educational systems and they teach the whole known world one language greek so suddenly everyone goes home Everyone speaks the same language that everyone can understand. And then they sort of have a little bit of independence for about 100 years under the, um, the Maccabees. And, and the Maccabees, what they did was they got these very people of God to return to the idea of one God. Because now as they have been conquered by many rulers, they, were also, they all served many various gods. So, so here's... There's 100 years in those 400 years where there's this revolution and they bring them back to one God. And then fourthly, the Romans come and they basically conquer Israel again. And the Romans were system people. The Romans, I mean, we need some Romans in Africa. Because you know what they do is they build good roads. Hey, we need some Romans. And what do they do? They go and they bring peace to the known world then. And they connect cities with these roads. So what's the point? What seemed like 400 silent years, from one angle it seemed like God left them, forget, forgot about them, 400 years from one perspective, was actually 400 years where God was actively using foreign rulers and nations to prepare them for the Son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to come. So what happened was in these 400 years, they migrated back to Jerusalem. They, it became a peaceful world where everyone spoke one language and they were connected suddenly cities to one another and you could travel easily between cities. A world ripe and ready for the Messiah. A world ripe and ready for the gospel workers, the people of God to take the gospel to the outermost parts of the world. So again, we can look at this country, we can look at our country, we can look at things in the world today and say, it seems like God is silent from one perspective. It seems like, as some say, like a watchmaker, God has just wound up the world and he just left us to our own devices and the world is sort of winding down until it's the end and hopefully then Jesus come. Work. 
He's at work. He's been at work. He's busy doing things. He's preparing cities and nations for something. We, we work in the Middle East. And what is incredible during this time of COVID, two major things happened there. It's been very hard to work there. Churches, even in the Middle East, had to be outside of cities. You can't be in the city. The persecution and, and the things they would do is, is incredible, that, how, how bad the things they would do. So cities and Christians had to be outside of the cities. And what happens, all of a sudden, they decided, they, their sort of Sunday is actually on a Friday. I don't know if you know that. The Muslims, and they change it to a Saturday and then they change it to a Sunday. So it's really an economic decision because they realize they are not in tune with the rest of the economy and the world. But that shift, you know, I don't know if you know, Islam means submit. Don't ask questions. Just do what we tell you. Don't think, just do that. That's what, what Islam, you know, what, what that means. So that one shift is a fundamental pillar of the Muslim faith. Islam, you know, of Islam, which means suddenly people are saying, but it's like us saying we're going to remove the virgin birth from Christianity. We're going to remove fundamental things. So people are asking, but if they can change such a fundamental pillar, what else is, is up for discussion? And then from all this terrorist attacks and all these terrible things that, that uh, you know, a lot of the... Um, guys are doing, a lot of the new people growing up are saying, but we don't want that radical Islam. We don't want that. So now there's huge pressure on them to change how they present, you know, Islam to the world. So suddenly we come, even after COVID, three, four years later, and the whole atmosphere is different. Suddenly you can walk in the street and you can actually share your faith. You can actually testify Okay, they say, okay, you can't convert someone actively, but you can say, well, this is what Jesus means to me. This is what he's done in my life. So the point I'm making is we can look at all the things that's happening and just see problems and trouble and it's all going to hell. Or we can say, well, God is busy working in the background. And when we can say, Lord, would you show me? Would you lift my head? Would you open my eyes, Lord, to see what is it that you are doing in Bulawayo? What is it that you are doing in Zimbabwe? At this time, what are the shifts that you are bringing about because of this? So considering this, that there's a world out there in our city, this city, in this country, this continent, even the world, you can either just see bare feet, no use, forget about it, let's just live for myself, just try and make it until the end. Christianity is declining globally. No one is wearing shoes. Everything is hopeless. Or you can look through the eyes of God's mission. You see, history, unlike popular belief, doesn't go in cycles, in circles rather. There's a linear outworking to history. And what we, you know, God has set a date and a time and everything that's happening in the world today is busy working it towards that day when Jesus will come back. So I love, I think it was, yeah, Martin Luther once said, there's only two days. The most important days in the Christian calendar is this day and that day. That day when we see our Savior face to face. Because when I keep that in mind, it's going to affect and impact how I live this day. So can I say, we can get so focused on this day. 
this day? What about this day? How's this going to work out? Or, Lord, let me use this day in the context of that day to do the mission, to do the things that you've called me to do. I think of the story of Cinderella. You know, Cinderella is actually quite uh, biblical. Do you know Cinderella? <laughs> Why do I say that? No, just teasing. But Cinderella happened, this, this girl, what happens, you know, you, I don't know if you know the story. If you don't, I'm not going to take too much time. Someone can maybe tell you the story. But here's Cinderella. She puts on the shoe and she turns in, you know, she's this beautiful princess and the whole story. And then she leaves the shoe behind. And then she runs back. And now the king wants this chosen lady. He's looking for this chosen lady. So he sends his servants to go and take the shoe and go try on the shoe for to find the chosen lady. Can I say in the same way, that's what you and I have been called to. That shoe is the gospel. And there are many people barefoot in this city that don't know Jesus. Many people barefoot in this country that don't know Jesus. And you know what? God has brought shakings and God has, you know, there's very difficult things here. Which means what? It gets people to cry out to God. People have walked barefoot in this country. People are walking barefoot. People are desperate. We are the servants. We have that shoe. We are the ones that, that go, and, go and try on the shoe for the chosen ladies. Those people, men and women that God has called, you know, to this wonderful salvation. How do we find the chosen ladies? Well, this is what Romans says. Paul says, how then can they call on the one whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. This world, this city, this country is barefoot. There are many people that are barefoot here. Their future is not good. Many, have, many people are anxious. Many people are fearful. Many people are hopeless, tired, worn out. Many people are walking in the wilderness. Just looking for some hope, some help, someone that would just share the good news with them. And you and I have that shoe. You and I have the gospel. You and I are the workers that Jesus wants to send out into our spheres. Every day when you leave your house, you are being sent out as a missionary, as a servant of the Most High King, authorized to go and share this beautiful news. Hey, the beautiful feet that brings the beautiful news. So what is the opportunity that we have before us? Well, there are currently, they reckon, about 2 billion people in the world that's never heard the name of Jesus. If you had to ask him, do you know Jesus? They'll say, I don't know. Where, what street does he live in? You know, where is he? And you and I have the opportunity to go and share this good news about him. That's why Jesus says there's a harvest. Two billion people. And the harvest is not only here. It's Maswingo, Mutari, Gwanda, Harare, everywhere and beyond. Neighboring nations, countries, South Africa, the rest of the world, but the workers are few. 
You see, Jesus told his disciples to pray this 2,000 years ago. How many millions of people has found good news since then? This is what Jesus is calling you and me today. The workers are few. 2,000 years later, he says, And the gospel of the kingdom of God will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Do you want the end to come? Do you want our Savior to return? Do you want to go to that place that He has prepared for us? Preach the gospel. Share the good news. Do these very things that He's called us to continue this great work that He started. So maybe you say, but why are the workers few? Aren't there people getting saved every day? Well, I would say yes. But you know, God's enemy, the devil, is very clever. Why? Because he has, you know, if he can't stop you from being saved, he will get you ineffective. How does he get us ineffective? He gets us sidetracked and distracted with many other things so that we cannot focus on the mission and the call that he set before us. Do you know that one of his most effective lies or deceptions of our time is somehow we have separated salvation from discipleship to Jesus. Somehow we have made it just so I can get my fire insurance. So just so I just don't go to hell. Eh? Lord, let me just get fire insurance, then I'm not going to go to hell. No, He actually saves us. He calls us to send us. Eh? Which, is, which is not what the gospel writers, the whole of Testament, isn't this what, what it is all about? That He calls us to a life of discipleship. A disciple of Jesus. What does it mean to be a disciple? It means to spend time with Jesus so I can become like Jesus, so I can do what Jesus did, even greater things. Another lie that he tells and gets many to believe is that, you know, to be called to follow Jesus is just for those who are theologically trained. This, this is just for seminary professors, people who've trained to, to, you know, to become, it's only, this is only for full-time pastors. Hey, here am I, Lord, send Vessie and Sumin. Hey, let, let them go and share this good news about Jesus. Isn't that what they're getting paid? Isn't that what full-time, you know, a pastor is all about? What does he do? He separates kingdom work from secular work. Hey, so let me ask you, let's just consider Jesus as our example when was Jesus doing kingdom work and when was he doing secular work? When was Jesus sacred and when was he secular? When he made some wood, wood was that secular? And then suddenly when he's in the temple or doing praying or preaching, then he's doing spiritual things. I don't know if you know, but in the Hebrew worldview, there's no such sacred secular split. It doesn't exist. All of life, all, everything they do is spiritual. And we have to get a higher view of what we do. You see, because you are in, a, in your industry, you are in your sphere of influence like a match. Yes? You have been placed there because God wants to use you where you are. He wants you to be a match that lights, ignites things in that workplace, in that industry. 
So let's just consider for a moment, who did Jesus call to follow him for the last 2,000 years? It wasn't only the seminary professors, maybe a few of them. It was fishermen. Can you catch fish? Are you good fishing? Demon-possessed women. Any demon-possessed women here tonight? Eh? Let us pray for you. Tax collectors. Don't we just love the tax collectors? If you're from the tax service, you're welcome. Single mothers, the downtrodden, prostitutes, the social outcasts, orphans, any orphans, nobodies, and then rulers, influential people, wealthy people, religious people. So this is what we call a, a real fruit salad hey, of people from every shape, sizes, and, you know, different things. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest. To send out more harvest workers. So pray for who, Lord? Pray for workers, he says. Uh, any specific kind, Lord? Any specific worker you have in mind, Lord? No. Whoever would believe in me, send them. All those who make themselves available, God will make them able. So again, the harvest is plentiful. I'm almost done, but the workers are few. So one of the greatest crises facing our time is a lack of godly leaders, integrous leaders. There's, there's, all over the world, there's, there's a lack of this. When there's a lack of leadership, Jesus says, people are harassed and helpless. They're like sheep without a shepherd. And what does it do? People do whatever seems right to them. Isn't that the world we live in? We faced a world with the greatest identity crisis ever because there's no leadership. There's just not, no one knows, you know, it's like, I don't know, it's just a crazy, crazy time, but we have a king. We know the greatest leader of all. His name is Jesus. And he calls us to pray for workers, people who would lead others to him and his kingdom. Like never before, this world is ready and ripe and prepared for you and me to arise, to zoom out from the problems, the trials, and the troubles, and become again the but God people. Yes, there's difficulty, but God. Yes, there's no food on the table, but God. Yes, I don't know where my next salary is going to come from, but God. Because that is, you know, that's why it says, one of the greatest weapons that we have is our testimonies. And I'm sure if, if I had to sit and listen here, there would be, <clears throat> excuse me, testimony after testimony after testimony of God's faithfulness. Who wants a testimony? Hey? But to have a testimony, you have to go through a trial. True? We all want testimonies. Oh Lord, give me a testimony until I face a trial. Why me, Lord? What did I do wrong? But I thought you want to grow your faith. Eh? Again, I say, you are not saved to be saved. You are not saved to just grin and bear it through this life. You are saved to become a disciple of Jesus, to become a gospel worker, for him to continue his work in and through you that he started 2,000 years ago. This is what this life is about. Not to get saved and then live for yourself, but to join the greatest end time mission this world has ever seen. You and me, we are invited on the greatest adventure 
this world has ever seen. What is that adventure? To become a gospel worker, to become a co-laborer with Jesus, starting here in Bulawayo, in what is the region here? Matabele, Matabele land, Zimbabwe, Africa, and the rest of the world. Are you single or married? Are you influential or a nobody? Are you barren or fruitful? Are you wealthy or poor? Are you educated or without education? Are you fatherless or maybe have a great earthly father? Are you hopeless or greatly encouraged? Are you black or white or Asian? Everyone is called to receive not only for Jesus as our Savior, but to become a gospel worker, to go and make Jesus famous wherever we go. This is why we're still here on this earth. Again, I say not to wait until everything goes to hell, but to take this gospel of this kingdom into my workplace, into my sphere, into the country, into Vic Falls, into all of these places until Jesus comes back. Again, Jesus says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. So can I say tonight, King City Church, will you? Will you move on from salvation to gospel partner? This is why you are saved. This is what you and I have been called to. The world is ripe and ready and waiting. Jesus says, come and join me on the most incredible adventure of your life. And we will look back one day in spite of difficulty, trials, all of these things, to see the incredible harvest that he brought about through us and harvested through those who made themselves available for this great call. Amen. Why don't we stand? You know, I'm just reminded, as Vesey says, you know, of the prophet that just says, he sees these incredible things. He sees who God is, because that's where it starts. We have to have such a big view of God that it would compel us. It would compel us, Lord. And that's what I pray for tonight. I, I pray that you would open eyes tonight, like never before, to see you in a way they've never seen you before. Lord, I want to pray that, like the prophet says, here am I, Lord. Here am I. I don't know how, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I know it's going to work out. Here am I. Would you send me? Would you use me? I pray, Lord, tonight, would you activate your people? Would you activate them? Lord, I say my, my I put my own hand up first there. I say, Lord, would you activate me? Continue to activate, Lord. Help us to to see, have such a high view of you and such a high view of this call that you have given us that we would not easily be sidetracked or distracted by the many things around us. Lord, would you bless every person here? Lord, even those that are not here tonight, would you, even where they are sitting or standing, whatever they're doing right now, would you come? May your spirit come upon your people. You say you will pour out your spirit. Activate people to become witnesses. 
And I, I pray, Lord, that you would even tonight, would you touch mouths? Would you touch hearts? Would you touch hands and feet, Lord? Would you touch whatever skills you've given them? Maybe some are good at farming. Some are good at spreadsheets. Some are good at plumbing. Whatever they are, whatever that skill is, would you activate them in that skill to go and make disciples, to go and be a harvester with you in this beautiful city and beyond, Lord? Lord, I, I pray, open eyes, even, even tonight, Lord, open eyes to see the harvest. Lord, I, I think of Paul. Yes, Paul, Philippians, he writes, in prison, saying, rejoice in the Lord always. While he's in prison, bound, beaten. Rejoice in the Lord always. Why? Because his joy was not linked to his circumstance. His joy was linked to you, Lord. And I, I pray, Lord, I pray, Lord, as, as, as the most beautiful wine cannot come without that grape being pressed. Tonight, your people have been pressed and your people are pressed from every side. Like gold that's, got, that's gone through fire. Maybe right now you feel just in, in you in an oven, there's fire. But God says those are the very things. Those are the very things that he uses to purify us, to make us more like him. Bless your people, Lord. Enable them. Lord, I thank you that you say the very Holy Spirit that enabled you, you give to us gladly. But I have to wrestle the Holy Spirit from you. Would you commission your people tonight again, Lord? May this church, Lord, continue to, Lord, just harvest and harvest the very opportunities and doors that you open before them. May they not one piece of this field that you have entrusted to this church be left unplowed. Use them, Lord. Tomorrow morning, use them, Lord. The day after, week after, year after, until they see or you see us, use them, Lord. Use them for your purposes, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.